Hello Cleveland, welcome to a very special emergency edition of the 1085 Gridiron Podcast. Uh, we had one of these the other night, but that news does not even come close to topping what just went down. Uh, the Cleveland Browns landed Odell Beckham Jr. from the New York Giants for uh, their 17th overall pick, the second third round pick, and safety real peppers. Obviously, I can't do this alone. Uh, I have my co-host, Jack McCurry, with me. How you doing tonight, Jack? I'm doing well, and we are not alone because we have a very special guest, and we are so gracious for his time. He is over at the Orange and Brown Report. He was on with us last week. Uh, it's Mr. Jared Mueller. Jared, how are you doing, man? Good, man. It's good to uh, it's good to be back, and it's good to be right. I'm a big fan of when my people get me good information, and it feels good to be right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got to say kudos to you and kudos to everyone over at the OBR. You guys have been on fire for the last month or so when it comes to uh, Brown's news. So kudos to everybody over there. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's a little bit of luck and there's a little bit of personality. And to be honest, it's 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 people who are willing to give us information. It's not, you know, I can't make it up by, my, by myself because I'd sound crazy I said the Browns are going to let Andrew Berry walk or trade for OBJ or sign Cream Hunt. You know, those things would sound crazy if somebody else didn't provide that information and a few other people give me more information and back it all up for me and it ends up happening. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. But, uh, you know, let's get down to the the uh, why we're here. Obviously, the Browns have traded for Odell Beckham. Um you reported last week that the talks were ongoing. You, we talked about it on our, our episode last week, but um, how, like, if as much as you know, talk about, like, what got us to this point where the Giants finally decided to pull the trigger on this trade. There's a few things that got us here. Um, John Dorsey, Jarvis Landry, Freddie Kitchens, and uh, Munkin were all pretty much pushing for this to happen. Um, and so the Browns had a lot of flexibility, felt like they had opportunities to make moves. Um, they started obviously with a Kevin Zeitler trade, um, but the Giants just weren't sure the direction of their franchise to be very, very blunt. And so during those conversations before the Zeitler trade, uh, there was talk about Betonio and Peppers and Agba and Kindred and Duke Johnson and a receiver, probably Ratley, maybe Callaway. Um, and then different picks and all the things that were going on. And for the Giants, uh, John Dorsey really just kind of let them know. Batonio was off the table. They didn't really want to move Peppers. Um, and they really didn't want to move 17. And so in the end, they moved Peppers and they moved 17. But they didn't move a whole lot more, right? So um, what ended up happening is the deal that uh, Dorsey laid out for them um, the Giants kind of shopped it around, saw that they get maybe some little little things here or there that they liked more, came back to Dorsey. Dorsey gave a little here, gave a little there, and this is where we ended up. But the Giants, honestly, until today, were still making a decision of the, the direction they wanted their franchise to go in. Uh, Pat Shermer really was over Beckham. Uh, Dave Gettleman, as we saw with Josh Norman's situation when they were in Carolina together, really doesn't like anybody bigger uh, than the organization. There's a little bit of Vince McMahon, WWE, the organization is bigger than the player kind of thing going on with Gettleman. And so you roll all that together and you have a trade that doesn't seem to make sense from the outside looking in why the Giants would make it. But it also tells you a little bit about uh, who they're willing to negotiate and probably most importantly, where Beckham was willing to go 
in this trade. Was there any other teams involved besides the Browns? I know the 49ers were mentioned, but did you hear of any other teams that were involved in the trade talks? Yeah, so the 49ers were interested. The Bills touched base, and um, the Bears actually were involved early in this process, which was one of the reasons I felt really confident in who, what information I was being given, uh, because the Bears don't have a ton that they could trade after the Khalil Mack trade, even though that trade was way better than most people thought it would be as well. They just didn't have a ton. And so the Bears and Giants talked briefly uh, before the combine, during the combine, and after the combine. So that gave me a lot of confidence to know that we weren't going to be talking about two first-round picks or you know some crazy package for Beckham. Uh, so those four teams I know engaged in the process. Others touched base. Um, but when you're looking at first-round picks, there were um, really nobody in the NFC they wanted to deal with. Um, and then in the AFC, you didn't have many teams that were willing to give up their pick or uh, had a player like Peppers, who is an important part of this trade. You know, Yeah. I, oh, go ahead, Anthony. I'm sorry. I was going to say, you know, I don't think they do this, and I, I think it was Daryl Ryder that made mention to this, uh, the huge signing that they had earlier today with Sheldon Richardson because they had to get a, a three-tech in either the draft or in free agency. And with them uh, getting Sheldon earlier this morning, I, I really think this was a precursor to that. Yeah, it was. What it really was a precursor is it put 17 on the board. Um, at some, You know, the Browns look at this draft – um, and I can't tell you how many DMs and texts I've had today before this happened. The Browns looked at this draft and saw the depth um, on the defensive line specifically and really saw an opportunity to make an impact. They wouldn't have forced a three-tech, uh, but they would have most likely gone with a defensive lineman there. Getting Richardson allowed them to shift uh, the number 17 pick because prior to that signing, 17 was off the board, a 2020 first or this year's second was looked at as kind of the highest pick that they were willing to trade until they signed Richardson. Uh, let's talk about Jabril Peppers. I mean, obviously you said that they didn't want to give up Peppers, but ultimately why did they let him go? Obviously getting um, Odell Beckham was a big thing, but uh, like talk about you know how hard was the decision to get rid of Jabril Peppers? It was actually pretty tough for them, but – um, because they like him as a player, they like him as a leader, they like the attitude. He was kind of the Jarvis Landry culture changer before Jarvis Landry. Um, not that he had the the credibility to do that, but he really was that hard worker, that dedicated guy. Um, there is some off-the-field stuff, maturity issues, and who he hangs with and all of that stuff that was a little bother. There was little pieces of that. In the end, it really was about um, positional importance, and so strong safety to be honest, a lot of people can play strong safety. And so while Jabril Peppers, they had a lot of hope for him. Um, they think that their their Derek Kindred could play and could start for a lot of teams. The Giants actually believe Derek Kindred is a starting level strong safety. And then you can get a starting uh, strong safety third, fourth round of the draft. There are some players available, uh, maybe not perfect fits for strong safety, but there are just players available. It's just a much easier position to fill and isn't the impactful position uh, that others are um, on the field. So when, when you can't let J the difference between Jabril Peppers and Derek Kindred keep you from an Odell Beckham Jr. Um, you know, with this trade, what do you think, like, are the are the Browns done? Or do you think this is going to be like Dorsey's 
you know, swinging for the fences now for this offseason. Are they pushing for the Super Bowl this year, you think? <clears throat> like I said in the, on our last one, he wants a Super Bowl in the next two years. And I think um, I don't think he's done. I mean, the reality is, is that while we have to look at cap space moving forward and rollover cap is interesting and you know, all that junk, <clears throat> I don't think he's done. Um, I think there are picks for next year that are uh, available to be traded. Uh, I know Emmanuel Agba, Duke Johnson um, are still on the board to possibly be traded if needed. Um, and they still have a good amount of cap space. So um, I don't think John Dorsey is anywhere close to done at this point in time. And I think what you're going to see and Cleveland's kind of used to it uh, with LeBron James and the Cavs. You're going to see veterans who are who want to come to Cleveland. Odell Beckham Jr. wanted to come to Cleveland. Right. That's crazy to think. But Odell Beckham Jr. had Cleveland on his list and that list was two or three teams deep. Um, and so there are going to be a lot of veterans that are interested in this team. They see Baker Mayfield. They see what the Browns are willing to do with John Dorsey, Miles Garrett, you know, Olivier Vernon, Larry Ogunjobi, Denzel Ward, Marius Randall. There's just so many young, talented players that veterans who are looking for where do I go next may take a couple million less to come to Cleveland for a year or two. Um, and so I don't think you're you're going to see John Dorsey being done. I think tomorrow, uh, much like it was last year, there's going to be a couple signings that we haven't heard about because we've been really focused um, ever since the players started those tweets and I started talking to a bunch of people. We've been really focused on OBJ, the Olivier Vernon trade, the Sheldon Richardson signing, that there are going to be, I think, a signing or two, maybe not big names, but last year Terrence Mitchell came out of nowhere. Um, and was a really good player for them. I think we're going to see a couple of those as well. And, you know, kind of Randall came out the same, uh, was kind of the same thing kind of out of nowhere last year. I want to touch on Duke really quick because when you add a playmaker like Odell Beckham Jr., now on, on offense you have uh, Odell, you have Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway. They re-signed Rashad Perriman today. You have Nick Chubb. Uh, they have David Njoku. Uh you know, does this make a playmaker like Duke kind of expendable one that they're really on defense about? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely does. Um, you still have uh, the restricted free agency of Rashard Higgins, which could get really, really interesting. Um, where do the Browns want to put some of their assets, depending on what contract might be signed? So you have a few players that are kind of fan favorites that um, may not have a roster spot. The issue with Duke Johnson is, um, the Browns may not believe, and really no coach so far has believed he's a lead-back type, but Kareem Hunt's going to be suspended six, eight, ten games. So really, will will they have a backup running back? It's great to have all these explosive wide receivers, but um, I just don't know if they can get the return they want for Duke Johnson um, unless it's kind of moving around a bunch of different players and um, you know maybe using a pick later for a running back, maybe in the third round, fourth round those kind of things. So um, I think Duke is expendable from a playmaker uh, thought process. The unfortunate part is he's not really expendable as a running back right now, uh, but do they see him as a running back? Um, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about, you know, Odo Beckham coming here. Jarvis Landry could be on the outside looking in, you know, we've seen players, Khalil Mack, for instance, today restructuring his contract to create cap space for the betterment of the team. You know, if Jarvis Landry is such a team guy, I would have to think at this point it won't be this season, but definitely next offseason in order to, A, stick with the Browns because it seems like the Browns are the hot destination of the NFL, that you're going to see not only Landry but other guys start to restructure their contracts 
for a the betterment of the team and b to stick around with this because you're looking at a potential dynasty in the making here in Cleveland. Yeah, and I think we have to just be really honest. Jarvis Landry is one of the biggest reasons Odo Beckham Jr. is here. And so while fans and I know there are some analysts who think a certain way about him, the reality is is you don't piss off Odo Beckham Jr.'s best friend who has some talent and has some use, um, obviously, for the team. You just don't do that. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. He's why he's a really big reason Odell is there along with Baker and all them. Um, and so I think obviously restructuring all that stuff is very, very possible. Um, he's going to be around for a while. Um, so I'm not really worried that, that anything would happen there. I think players really, you know, the, the salary cap is a, is a unique little beast in and of itself. You can push off money here, there and everywhere. And if we don't think in three years, the NFL is going to play, that really gives you less worry uh, because there's just not probably going to be a season in three years. Um, so things really are up in the air at that point in time. I just don't think that's going to be a big deal. I know there are going to be people who think this, this makes him expendable. I, I think getting Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't make Jarvis Landry expendable. I think it makes him live up to his contract. I'm going to throw this question at both of you guys. And, and in the heat of the moment, is this the biggest trade, not only in Browns history, but in Cleveland sports history? Ooh. Hmm. That's a tough one. It is. There are so many little Indians trades that turned out to be so huge. Um, the Bartolo Colon trade, um, the Corey Kluber trade. I can't remember who they the, traded. The Joe for. Carter trade. The Joe Carter trade. Uh, you know, those kind of things. You know, I think in the Browns, yeah, I think for the Browns, it's probably going to be their biggest trade. Um, but again, the trade wouldn't make any sense without Baker Mayfield, right? So, yeah, I think so. Um, it's definitely the biggest hype trade, that's for sure. I would put it second, on, in my opinion, only behind the Kevin Love trade because it ultimately won us a championship. But, of course, that trade doesn't happen without LeBron. But I would put this trade second in Cleveland sports history, and that's just my opinion, though. Yeah, Anthony, that's... you got anything else? Well, I was going to say, speaking of trades um... – the, the Niners and Chiefs uh, struck a deal where uh, D Ford's headed to San Francisco for a 2020 second round pick. So uh, trades are going down like crazy for sure. Yeah. Um, actually, one more thing to touch on. You know, we talked about this before we started recording, Jared. Um, Mike Garofolo, who broke the story, so credit to him. All, he broke that the trade was completed. Um, and Ian Rappaport were talking about how Beckham could be getting a new contract. We were just talking about restructuring. They're saying that he seen what Antonio Brown got in his new deal with the Raiders, and he might try to restructure something with the Browns to where he becomes once again, the top paid receiver in the league. Uh, Jared, do you think there will be any, uh, holdups with that? Or do you think that would be like a smooth restructuring? Yeah, I think that's going to be easy. I don't see any issues there. Um, you know, the interesting thing is the Browns can't really talk to, or I don't know if they got permission. We'll find that out later. Let's talk to OBJ, but I'm, I'm pretty confident Jarvis talked to him, and I'm pretty sure Jarvis had John Dorsey uh, on the other line. <laughs> well, to kind of, you know, wrap up some of the, the news, that other news that we've had, uh, we talked about Sheldon Richardson a little bit, but... Um, we want to discuss the, the impact he brings to this defensive line. You know, obviously, we talked about how 
they needed a, a starting three tech and either the, the draft or free agency, and that kind of helped out the steal big time. But uh, bringing him in, into the fold on this defensive line really uh, creates a solid unit with Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, and uh, Olivier Vernon that they brought in with the Giants as well. Yeah, I think what's going to be interesting about the Browns' front seven defensive line is I'm not sure any of those players outside of Miles Garrett is really going to rack up uh, the sack totals that play that fans are going to want for their contracts and those kind of things. What I think is going to happen is you're going to see across the board sacks where you know I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but a player like Joe Schobert all of a sudden has two or three more sacks next year. Christian Kirksey, same thing. You know, Vernon's looking at. 9, 10, 11, you know, those kind of things. So I think what you're going to see is just an uptick in overall sacks. Uh, Richardson is a penetrator. The one area, he is okay to good against the run. The one thing that'll be really interesting is both Ogunjobi and Richardson have a level of penetration to their game, um, which can cause trouble when there's cutbacks and those kind of things. So it'll be interesting to see how they defend against the run, whether they look to bring in kind of a thumper type linebacker, um, or they just really try to fill the the third linebacker role uh, with Jernard Avery. But all in all, you really are looking at a team that at this point, the best comparison I have is how the Indian, Indianapolis Colts built their team around Peyton Manning, which was we have an offense that's going to score a lot. So we're going to have a defense that's going to get after the passer because we know you're going to have to throw the ball to keep up with our offense. Yeah, I am so excited to see what this defensive line is going to be like because you have right now Vernon, Ogunjobi, Richardson, and Garrett, not to mention in certain packages you can slide Avery in, you can slide Agba in, like there, and there's depth on that defensive line, and I think they have the opportunity to add some more. Um, the other move today, um, and I'm not talking about Carl Davis, is that the Browns brought back uh, Brashad Perriman, much to the shock, I think, of a lot of people because a couple of weeks ago, uh, your colleague Lane Adkins kind of hinted that negotiations weren't going well, but the two sides came together on a one-year, $4 million deal. Were you shocked that it ultimately came to that? I actually am because of Drew Rosenhaus. Um, what we actually found out is uh, Ber- uh, Perryman actually is a, little, is a little intelligent, and what him and Greg Robinson decided was we're going to bet on Baker Mayfield, Freddie Kitchens, and the Cleveland Browns to make us our long-term contract, um, unlike what Terrell Pryor did. Uh, so they, you know, they took the money they could get right now. Um, they had an idea they could only get around that amount um, or a little bit more over multiple years and decided to bet on themselves and the Cleveland Browns, who, to be honest, made Greg Robinson and Brashard Perryman relevant again. I put out a tweet earlier that if these guys are successful this season and they go on to move the other teams, um, you know, these one-year deals look like an absolute genius move by Dorsey because they could be in line for potentially uh, a third-round compensation pick uh, for both of those guys if they decide to move on and uh, they get contracts from different teams. Yeah, and that's that long-term thinking for both the team and the player, right? And that's, I think, one of the things you're seeing from John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchen talks about relationships all the time. And that's where he's a little bit like Sean McVay. It's all about relationships for him, where Bill Belichick's all about business. And I think what Kitchens and what John Dorsey are doing is, hey, this is what we'll do for you. This is what you do for us. And then if we need to move on and you need to move on and make your money and we just kind of do our thing, great. And I think that's just there's a level of respect to that um, that NFL agents and players really appreciate. Um. 
And just as we're talking about Perriman, Mary Kay Cabot just tweeted out that Brashad Perriman wants to back out of his uh, agreement with the Browns, according to Cleveland.com. So uh, that kind of throws a curveball on what we were just talking about. <laughs> it does. And again, that's that makes sense, given that he was betting on the Browns and himself. And now you have Odo Beckham Jr., Brashad per- or, uh Antonio Callaway, Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins. You get it. You understand it. Um, you know, it's a business. And if he's not going to be able to make that money that he thought he could make, backing out um, seems logical. What'll be interesting is who else is going to sign him off of a few games and a Baker Mayfield-led run. Right. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up Higgins. Um, do you think they're going to let him test the market or do you think they'll get him done to a uh... – get a contact with him in the next couple of days. They've, they've had great conversations with him. I do think similar to Perryman, Higgins is going to want to see what is out there, um, what options he has. And that's within his right. Um, you know, there was a time and the thing that Browns fans sometimes forget is the Browns cut him. No one signed him. And then they put him on the practice squad and then they got Baker Mayfield, and now everybody thinks he's great, right? Nothing changed about Rashard Higgins, to be very honest with you. He has someone who can throw the ball accurately because he's not a create separation because he's an amazing athlete. He runs really good routes, but really good route runners who aren't amazing athletes need a quarterback who deliver on time. So guess what? Throw Rashard Higgins in with Josh Allen. Guess what happens to him? Or Lamar Jackson or a few other quarterbacks. He's cut again because those type of quarterbacks can't take advantage of what Rashard Higgins does well. So I could see him looking for something, um, but the Browns are interested in bringing him back. He has talent, especially if Perryman backs out and whatever that looks like. All right, as we get on out of here, um, you know, Jared, I, I wanted to ask if you have anything more that you can share uh, before we wrap this up and uh, get on out of here. You know, to be honest, the only thing I will share is some of y'all don't want to sleep tonight. Uh, I am going to, um, but I believe there's going to be a lot of movement between now and four o'clock tomorrow. The one thing I will, um, and I said this on Mac Robinson's, uh, the hurry up podcast. Um, one thing I'll just kind of warn Browns fans is normally when we get excited about a team in the NFL, we're a year early. That doesn't mean it's going to be true for the Browns, but normally we get a little excited about a team a year early and it takes an extra year to kind of put it all together, figure out how to play together, figure out all the nuances of winning and playoffs and, you know, just all that kind of stuff. Um, And so I would be hesitant to just assume um, anything great from the Browns, given the status of the AFC North. I think it's pretty good to assume they're going to win the AFC North, but I'm not sure that's really saying a ton for next year. And, you know, they also have the new coaching staff as well. They have to figure that out uh, with all the new personnel that they're bringing in. Absolutely. All right, uh, Jared, thank you for your time. We appreciate you coming on last week and, again, this week, uh, talking to you all Dell Beckham stuff. And, like you said, uh, we're glad you were right. Um, (laughs) It's a fantastic thing. So if you want to plug everything over at the OBR, which uh, has been a fantastic source for uh, information uh, over the last week or so, and always. (laughs) <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Have a great night. All right, Jack. Uh, go ahead and plug everything you got going on, and we'll get on out of here. As always, follow me on Twitter at jmccurrycle, and check out my site, thenorthcoastsports.com, for all the latest on Cleveland sports. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Jokey. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and on Facebook at 1085 Gridiron. 
Uh, be sure to like, subscribe uh, to our podcast on iTunes, um, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're on. And we're going to get on here. Most importantly, uh, you know, after a trade like that, uh, a lot of people are very excited. And as always, go Browns.